You're listening to the iterators of the Imperium. Hi, I'm Miss, and I'm here with my co-host Ryan, and you're listening to the Iterators of the Imperium podcast, the podcast in which Ryan is the expert on Warhammer 40k, and I'm the noob trying to learn about the Warhammer universe. So Ryan, what is today's topic? Oh, God, Miss. So we're continuing on our timeline because we kind of decided that this whole first season is just going to be running through major events of the timeline. So the next, we're actually covering three of the major sections of it, or sorry, four major sections of the timeline in this episode. Three of them we're going to go over very quickly because there's not a huge amount that goes on without going into pretty severe detail. Uh, And then there's one pretty major section of it we're going to talk about. So we're talking about the forging, which takes place after the War of the Beast, which we discussed last time. Mm -hmm. Then the Nova Terra Interregnum, whatever the hell that means. I know what maybe one of those words means. Yeah, Terra. Yeah, that's the one. Earth. (laughs) Uh, Then the Age of Apostasy, which is one I was excited for. And that's the big one. And then the Age of Redemption at the end. And then yeah. in the next episode, we'll get on, we'll continue on from there. Uh, oh, yeah. That's good. Yeah. Right. So, War of the Beast left everything pretty messed up because the High Lords of Terra got kind of effed over at the end there. A lot of them got assassinated, as you may or may not remember, because they were I do. very, very bad at their jobs when it came to being attacked by orcs. <laughs> They yeah. they did a lot of arguing, not a lot of like doing anything about the threat. <laughs> really just got in the way of the Space Marines taking care of it for them. So luckily, you know, the head of the Asa- uh, Officio Assassinorum took care of a lot of them and then was murdered by a bunch of the Space Marine chapters. <laughs> Good times were had by all. Right, so the forging is the next stage that takes place. So, uh, the Adeptus Terra, which is an umbrella, it's like a blanket term, it's an umbrella term for a lot of the different kind of sections of Imperial governance and stuff like that. But Mm -hmm. I'm sure there's three groups that aren't actually part of it. So the Mechanicus isn't part of it. Um, The Space Marines are only very loosely tied to it. Uh, The the High Lords aren't part of it because they are a governing body in themselves. And there's another one that I can't quite remember what it is, but irrelevant to that, basically everyone gets together, does their job properly for a while, and gets everything kind of back and run in order. Right? They yeah. kind of piece together everything that fell apart because of the War of the Beast and a lot of other stuff that was going on. Um, yeah. During this time, a couple of major things happen. Uh, they, discover, or they find a lot of valuable STCs uh, back from the Dark Ages technology. They find a bunch of them, which is really handy and gives them mm-hmm. a big boost in moving forward. Mm-hmm. Uh, really gives them a bit of power behind what they're doing. But also, they form what are called astropathic choirs. So, as you are well aware, the warp is a total mess. And yes. because of the heresy and everything like that, it got a lot worse because a lot of people died. <laughs> you know, And that yeah. just makes it worse. So the Imperium and, like, real space, essentially... No, not real space, sorry. Uh, the warp, when you're trying to travel through it, is covered in, like, crazy storms now. And they're gradually getting worse and worse and worse. So it makes traveling through the warp really dangerous, but also trying to, like, communicate uh, with the warp using uh, astropaths is quite difficult mm-hmm. as well and relatively dangerous. 
So it's like the storms are putting static on your communications. It makes it really difficult to get a message across. Yeah, right. Remind me, which year are we in right now? Oh, God. I would actually... I'll, I'll check. I'll check because <laughs> I have the website loaded up. Uh, when is the, the forging? Uh, it doesn't say helpful. Ooh. What uh, would you like? A guesstimate. Oh, no, I, I have the thing. Sorry. Uh, oh, okay. M32, millennia 32. So we're in the year 32,000-ish. Right. Somewhere in there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, that, that's about where we are. Um, so, yeah, these astropathic choirs were formed to take care of that issue of uh, communication problems. So what would happen is, rather than having one astropath that was really good at using the warp to send messages and stuff like that, you would actually just have a bunch of weaker ones get together in astropathic relays. So they built them all over the place. And it would basically just like a meeting ground, like a temple kind of place for these dudes to get together and all work together to send out a message as like a big wave sent into in, uh, the immaterium. So it was much easier to pick up from the yeah. other side. It was also much harder to disrupt. So it meant that even low-level astropaths were really helpful because they would just get together a bunch of other low-level ones and be just as good as one really good one. Yeah. Even though most, um, like, say, like, flagships, so, like, uh, Space Marine Chapter flagships and stuff like that would still typically have, like, their astropath on their ship, but they'd be a really good astropath. So six and a half a dozen, really. But it, it allowed communication to work properly again, or at least to some degree. So it made everything a lot smoother. <laughs> Those are the main things that happened during the forging, unless we want to go into like pretty crazy detail or pretty heavy detail with it. So we're going to dodge that for now and leave that as a pretty bare bones section. Yeah. So we're going to move on to the next section, which is the Nova Terra Interregnum, which I still don't know what that means. <laughs> but this is M36. Oh, no, sorry, it's M35 into M36, because it takes quite oh. a while. This takes so place was over called? Nova Terra Interregnum. Nova Terra Interregnum. Yeah, it takes place over 900 years. So it spans from the 35th to the, to the 30th, uh, 36th millennia. Yeah, it's known as the time of the of twin empires. It is, yes. Uh, so during this time, the Ur Council dismisses the High Lords of Terra and claims a section of uh, Imperial space as their own. Mm -hmm. uh, it's, it's, so the Imperial space is split up into sections called segmentums, and this like segmentum, then the name. So segmentum obscurus is one of them, uh, which I believe is to the north of our section. But this is segmentum pacificus, which I believe is to the galactic west of ours. Mm -hmm. uh, so they basically just decided they ran this joint. <laughs> right? They just were like, Sack the High Lords of Terra. They were a nightmare. We're doing our own thing. And this just led to the Ecclesiarchy rallied the people behind them to try and reunite the Imperium as a religious state and just caused a holy war known as the Cataclysm of Souls. <laughs> Didn't go well. <laughs> just no. went truly badly. Um, but yeah, that, that whole civil war that they caused by deciding that they ran their own section of space because the High Lords are terrible just lasted 900 years. And it ran all the way into the Age of Apostasy. <laughs> See, so these first couple sections, real quick, <laughs> real simple, bad stuff and good stuff happened in equal measure. Now we get on to the really bad stuff, the Age of Apostasy. <laughs> Let's go. Let's go. 
So, <laughs> M36. By this point, the Imperial cult, you know, the, the belief that the Emperor is a god. Yeah. That has taken to a massive scale, right? It's like most people believe in this, from like the lowliest like servant or just random commoner up to like war heroes. So like most people believe in this now, uh, which is not great. <laughs> no. This leads the ecclesiarchy, which is the religious section of imperial governance, uh, to being seen as speaking for the emperor directly. They do nothing to dissuade this belief because it gives them power. And mm -hmm. with that power, they ended up influencing everything in imperial governance, from lawmaking to military tactic, which is not what should be happening. No. Separation of church and state, my dudes. But whatever. Not our problem. <laughs> it's like... 101 like yeah, yeah. <laughs> do <laughs> not let the don't church do rule the state that's a bad move <laughs> i've seen movies before <laughs> it, it never it, ends it, well it's not in the right it never ends well no no so to oppose this the fabricator general of mars so the guy in charge of the mechanicum and some of the space marine chapters worked with the administratum which is the you know administration side of the government of the imperium to fight against mm. them Thanks to a bunch of... Uh, oh, the leader of the ecclesiarchy is called the ecclesiarch. He's voted in like the Pope is. Yeah. Um, luckily for the administratum and everything like that, they, they accidentally voted in a bunch of really bad ecclesiarchs for a while. <laughs> they just had a bunch of really terrible... Like, ones that were really terrible at their jobs for a really long time. And it weakened them heavily. So the administratum was able to gradually take back control, which is... Exactly what we're after. Eventually, the Ecclesiarchy gets effed off with this and moves to a new planet because Terra isn't very welcoming of them now. <laughs> they go to another planet, they build a giant palace and begin to form their own military and naval fleets. I believe the military, it's the uh, Fervorous Templars, I believe. No, Fraternus Templars, sorry, because they're a fraternity, they're brothers. Uh, Fraternus Templars as, like, their main body of their guard, mm -hmm. which is bat, because we don't want the church to have an army. That's how religious crusades happen. So, after about 3,000 years, the new ecclesiarch, guy called Gregor, moves the ecclesiarchy back to Terra, but in the process, it costs them a lot of money. Also, fixing up the section of the palace that was set up for the ecclesiarchy costs them even more money. So they end up with basically no money. So they start taking a tithe, essentially taxing the imperial populace. Great. Yeah. And then they have to increase it because they just start doing stupid stuff like upgrading their ridiculous palace, you know, their church and stuff like mm. that and building statues to old ecclesiarchs and crap like that. They just start... Why does this... Oh, sorry, why does this sound familiar, Ryan? Weird, huh? Uh, <laughs> it's uh. almost like it's a parody of things that actually happened. <laughs> uh, eventually, this led to unrest in the populace because, you know, who doesn't love paying ridiculous taxes? Yeah. And this keeps going on till, essentially, civil war breaks out. But, you know, it's fine because all the roads are uh, have statues of past ecclesiarchs along them. So that makes it okay, right? <laughs> now we got onto the big guy. Goj Van Dyer. This guy, right? I found a quote about him. Or I found two, right? 
Uh, he was quote unquote paranoid megalomaniac who saw traitors and conspiracy everywhere. He had every word documented, or he had his every word documented for posterity. What an arsepiece. <laughs> this guy ended up as the High Lord of the Administratum. He was the 361st High Lord of the Administratum. Apparently, he assassinated his way to the position like Macbeth. <laughs> Just murdered <laughs> everyone above until he got there. But he was like the imperial uh, side of this. He wasn't on the religious side, right? Mm. So that's something for now. But because he murders his way to the top, people very rarely opposed him for fear of, you know, disappearing in the night. Yep. And eventually he, he stages a military coup. He has the Militarum troops storm the Ecclesiarchal Palace. And the guy in charge at the time was a dude called Paulus III. He was the current Ecclesiarch at the time. And uh, Van Dyer called him a traitor and a heretic and had him shot <laughs> and then took over the Ecclesiarchy himself. <laughs> so he was what? now ruling the Administratum. So he was governing... Uh, all like you know day to day runnings of the governance for the uh, for the imperial side, and he took over the church and started doing it for the religious side as well. <laughs> he then purges the ecclesiarchy of anyone who would oppose him, and then his <laughs> reign of blood started. Oh great! Yeah, what a guy! <laughs> well, I could kind of guess my way towards that, but yeah, yeah, I hate the guy. <laughs> oh, it gets worse. It gets so much worse. Oh no! Yeah. So the reign of blood is so terrible, right? It gets so bad that he starts sending ships into the warp to reinstate his will on planets whenever the warp storms, like, dissipate in one area. Whenever they shift away from a planet, he's like, go, 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 take over. Let them know who's in charge now, guys. <laughs> and it becomes commonplace, since he's in charge, for naval officers to shoot higher-ups to, to speed up promotion process. <laughs> What a guy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hit the guy. Yep. Hit the guy. Worst guy. Uh, he also has, like, a network of spies everywhere. And he has them, like, looking for cults and stuff that follow other religions that he can take over or wipe out. So that, you know, nothing opposes him, basically. And one of the cults he finds is on a little planet. And it's like a little uh, agro planet. So it's an agricultural, agri planet, sorry. So it's an agricultural planet. So it's basically wildlife here with not a huge amount of civilization. Either that or agro, agro plants are also used purely for growing food and stuff. Uh, mm. The basis of them is they're agricultural. Uh, he finds a small cult on one of them called the Daughters of the Emperor. They're essentially warrior nun monks or warrior monk nuns. They are insane when it comes to combat. Right? No one is taking these dudes these dudes down. They are awesome. So he goes to visit the planet to meet these people and try and convert them. Upon arriving at their temple, he does like a big a big like procession through their place, like through their uh, world, and starts like handing out rosaries and stuff to people and everything to make them like, like him and <laughs> gifts and stuff. Mm -hmm. But when he gets bribe to... Them. Yeah, essentially, yes, bribe them. He also has a huge section of his military with him. So, you know, that also helps with the bribery. <laughs> the threat with the bribery is a good combo. 
Yeah, you're taking this gift. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Or Gregor here will make sure you do. <laughs> Guy behind him cocks his last rifle. I don't even know why it makes that noise. It's a, it's a laser, but it does it. <laughs> I think I broke it. <laughs> it's not supposed to do that. So... They get to the uh, to their like the nun temple, the daughters of the emperor's temple, and when he gets there, one of the young sisters tells him that they do not recognize his authority, so he's supposed to leave. So he tries to talk to them. They do not, or she does not go for it because he, he's been told. So he goes right. I'll prove to you that the emperor is on my side. That the emperor's will flows through me. So they allow him inside with a couple of guards, right? He has like two or three guards with him. And they go inside and he meets the, the leaders of the order and stuff like that and the main body of the order. And he kneels with his rosary, uh, rosarius in his hand and prays for protection from the emperor and then demands that one of his guards shoot him in the chest with his last rifle. Okay. So the guard is like, I don't want to, because at this point... If he did, he'd probably be murdered for it, even if Vandyre was perfectly fine, just because Vandyre's kind of nuts. <laughs> no one trusts him not to immediately turn on them at any given second. But eventually he's like, all right, fine, I'll do it. So he shoots him in the chest with a rifle, and he is left completely unharmed, but there is a big flash of blinding light at the time. And standing there perfectly unharmed after being shot, the nuns are like, oh my god, it's true. The Emperor is protecting this man. He is he is doing the Emperor's will. Because they're like a middle of nowhere backwater planet, what they didn't know is the Rosarius produces like a shield field around you. So the, oh, the rifle was never going to do anything. You knew that. He just tricked them. <laughs> what a guy. So they now swear fealty to Vandire uh, and they become his bodyguards and were renamed to the Brides of the Emperor. I don't know why you had to make that change, but you know, whatever. He also From nuns to brides. <laughs> yeah, he essentially has them as handmaidens after that, as well as bodyguards. So they like yeah. they feed him, they taste his food for him in case it's poisoned. They tend to him when he's ill. They sing for him, and they probably have sex with him too. I'll be honest. Ah, oh, great. Yeah, it's a real creepy situation. Truly, truly, like one of the worst guys in Warhammer 40k, and that is a that is a very, very low bar, and somehow he limbo's under it. This dude dug a tunnel to get under that bar. <laughs> so, seventy years, uh, Vandire was in charge until one day he is given news that a planet called Demar has announced uh, has denounced him as a traitor to humanity. Naturally, he took that really well. <laughs> obviously he flew in a wild rage and wanted to murder everything known to man mm. and then shortly after this everyone starts hearing the name Sebastian Thor being attached to this soon 80 worlds have joined this new confederation of light with Sebastian Thor which is you know the order that are denouncing Vandyre now Vandyre sent a fleet from a planet called Clax uh, to, it's like a major section of his uh, naval fleet to go mm -hmm. raise Damar to the ground. They wanted to just burn this planet and be done with it. When they did, they were, um, as soon as they got into the warp, 
the ship was immediately overwhelmed with warp storms, and apparently the ship and everyone on it were destroyed by beams of white light. Okay. Yeah. That is not warp storm related, by the way. Uh, and since that point, the the Clax system, so all the planets around it, not just Clax, have never been accessible again. Apparently they're blocked off by a crazy warp storm called the Storm of the Emperor's Wrath. <laughs> so everyone's like, yeah, th this is 100% the Emperor messed up that fleet. Do not mess with Sebastian Thor. He is the Emperor's dude. Yeah. Like, so that just cemented Sebastian Thor as the go-to guy for this. Meanwhile, Thor starts to gain a following. Van Dyer and his supporters believed... Uh, Thor was like a demonic entity set, sent to like undermine and destroy you know the imperial cult as it was and take down the M uh, Imperium mm. actually it was just a guy that was born on Damar and raised to become like an officer there, there's an orphanage system called the Scola Progenium where basically it's an orphanage that raises uh, people to become imperial officers and governors and stuff like that it's, yeah. it's ridiculous. All the kids are abused to within an inch of their life every moment of every day. It's god-awful. But he was one of these kids and apparently started having visions from the Emperor of the like the, to tell him that the Imperium was falling and what he had to do. And it was this. It was denounce Van Dyer, start the Confederation of Light, and, you know, take the fight to him. You know, take him down. That was his mm -hmm. job, the Emperor said. So he did. Uh... With that giant section of their fleet destroyed in the warp storm uh, from Clax, uh, Segmentum Obscurus, so the, I believe, galactic northern section of the Imperium, went into, like, massive widespread rebellion against Vandire. <laughs> also heavily caused by Thor going around and, you know, turning everyone away from Vandire's nonsense. Yeah. Love that guy. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. Uh, so because Thor was such like an inspirational speaker and stuff like that, because, you know, he'd been trained in the orphanage of officers, uh, <laughs> um, he he rapidly gained a big following. And then the governors of Damar put the army of Damar under his control. <laughs> and then as they were like taking over, not, they weren't taking over planets. They were going to planets, explaining their side of the story, basically, and people were just joining them. Uh, so they weren't being violent about it. They just happened to have an army now. It was at this point basically just protecting Sebastian Thor and the other pilgrims that were going with them and stuff. It wasn't like they weren't conquesting planets. <laughs> no one no, was fighting to be on Van Dyer's side. I can't stress that enough. <laughs> <laughs> Plus he was a good speaker, so that helps. Yeah, basically everyone was was like swaying to his side by him just being like, but Van Dyer's a dick, and they were like, you know what, he's right. This dude's spitting straight facts. <laughs> so they were all they were moving gradually towards Terra, and Van Dyer was aware of this. So he was a little bit upset about that. That's a problem in the making. Like that's that's heading my way, and I don't like it. <laughs> now, the entire galaxy was racked by warp storms, as I've mentioned. But mm -hmm. Thor traveled without any issue planet to planet. So he was dubbed Abstracta Preominus. It translates to the Master of the Warp. 
It's like did a great has, title. Did he have like any webways or something like no, that? No, no, no. This is the warp storms were just not in his way anymore. People believe what? that the emperor was essentially pushing, like moving the storms out of the way or protecting his like his pilgrimage. Yeah, because like uh, I mean the the secret po- project that the emperor had, you know. Yeah, that failed what, what? real bad because because yeah, of Magnus. I, 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 I was like, yeah, I, I remember where he came in like the Kool Aid Man, you know, and <laughs> yeah, did the thing. But I thought like I don't know, maybe so, uh, you haven't told me everything, and you were about to you know come back to that, but that that's still in, in the gutter. Well, okay. I'll be honest with you, right? That situation doesn't improve. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, well. <laughs> like the emperor's still essentially a corpse on a throne now. Like, well, he I don't ain't know. Doing I much. Uh, uh, right at some point you gotta come with like an, an 180 twist and it's just like and then you know and the, i don't know i, I just assume well, i'm trying to put uh, the strings together here. that's it yeah you, you'll see as we go so mm-hmm. at this point in time it seems like he like he is protected somehow from the warp storms or that yeah. they're just not in his way so everyone's assuming it's the emperor essentially guiding him planet to planet either guiding him away from the storm so he doesn't have to deal with them and he's safe or the emperor is effectively shielding him from the storms but no one really yeah. knows either we just know that he got from planet to planet perfectly fine warp storms are not an issue so Vandyre had heard little from the marine, uh, the Space Marine chapters or the Mechanicus for a while now, and he had been sending the uh, the Templars to like try and take over their planets and stuff. It turns out that they had held their planets as bastions of the old faith of the Imperial, uh, the Imperial Truth. So none of those planets had changed. They had all just decided to hunker down and just kill anyone that turned up to try and enforce Vandyre's nonsense. Oh. <laughs> yeah. But with the Confederation of Light traveling and taking over planets and like making things right in their wake, the Mechanicus and the Space Marine chapters rallied alongside them. Mm-hmm. So they were now like, right, let's let's go mess them up. Let's go take down Vandyre. The mecha- yeah. uh, the leader of the Mechanicus actually uh, spoke to the High Lords of Terra and called for them to execute Vandyre as a traitor. <laughs> <laughs> so in, res- in response to that, Vandyre dissolved the High Lords of Terra. <laughs> like, no, nah, we don't need them anymore. <laughs> None of that. <laughs> but why people should just stop listening to this guy, you know? The problem is he has a couple armies on his side. So, like, if you're a political leader and you're like, no, you're being a dick. He's like, well, I might be a dick, but I'm a dick with an army, so we're going to kill you now. Uh-huh. So that that's a, a pretty dangerous point. Yeah, uh, too much power. Yeah, that's it. So he then started killing off any of the military leaders that wouldn't fight the Space Marine chapters or the Mechanicus because they were now like a threat because they were on the way. So yeah. he then just killed them all off and replaced them with anyone that was more loyal. <laughs> Yeah, uh, then the Mechanicus and the Space Marine chapters go to Terra to take down Vandyre once and for all, but the Ecclesiarchal Palace it had fallen mostly into disarray, but the like inner sanctum of it was essentially an impregnable stronghold, because that's where Vandyre was staying, obviously, and he kind of saw people were getting kind of upset with him, so he was like, let's keep this bit good. <laughs> <laughs> So they didn't really have a way to actually get to him short of just nuking the palace in oblivion. They also didn't want to do that because the whole reason they're doing it is for the people. You don't want to mess up the people in the process to protect the people. 
Nope. Well, not this time. Usually the Space Marines don't give a crap about that kind of stuff, but unless they're Blood Angels, actually, I'm going to be honest. <laughs> Blood Angels, man. Like, there, there's a quote about them in, in the Dante book, which is about their current leader, like in the current age of uh, 40, uh, 40k, which is actually 41k. Um, Dante is their chapter master, and there's a quote about, uh, from them, which is like, in any other situation, any space marine, no, other space marine chapters would have left the people to fall and protected their own. But the Blood Angels aren't other chapters, and it's all about them like descending on our planet to to save like a few million random civilians and soldiers from like a Terranid invasion that's decimating the planet. Very cool, good guys. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> back back <laughs> anyway. to back to the topic at hand. Yeah. So there was one group that Van Dyer hadn't accounted for during all of this, right? One, one little mini army he had not thought about during any of his nonsense. Can mm-hmm. you guess who it is? We've, we've mentioned them. They've been talked about. Not in any great detail, but you know they exist. Uh, I'm blank. I'm blank. The custodes of the Emperor. The Emperor's honor guard. Oh. You know, the guys that are better that. than any Space Marine. They're, they're somewhere yeah. between Space Marines and Primarchs. They are, like, the best of the best of the best. Yeah. Um, they had closed themselves off within the Imperial Palace just to protect the Emperor and watch the throne. So they didn't really, like, when they saw what was going on, how bad it was getting, they closed themselves off. So they haven't even seen a lot of the end of this. They don't know how bad Vandar's gotten. They've just been hunkered down, like, we're going to do our job. Like, we don't care what, like, we do care what Vandar does, obviously, because we want to protect the people and you keep the yes. Emperor's dream alive. But, like, like... Job number one. Job number one, you know? keep this dude alive on the throne. Like, yeah. if Vandar tries to get in here... We're putting him on a spike and hanging him from the palace. But until that day, we're keeping this dude safe on his shiny throne. (laughs) So he had not thought about these guys at all. They were like the hidden secret wild card of this whole situation, basically. So the Space Marine chapters and the uh, Mechanicus got in contact with them. And in this, they were like, right, we need a plan to take this dude down once and for all. And they explained how bad Vandar had actually gotten, how bad the situation was. Naturally, the custodians were like, we're on your side, let's do this, let's take him down. This dude's ruining everything for everyone. He's kind of just being a dick. Yeah. <laughs> let's murder him. <laughs> so, they're like, right, you guys, keep attacking the palace. Keep attacking him any way you can. Keep, your, uh, keep his eyes on you. Because there's secret tunnels under the Imperial Palace. And the custodians know all of them. Like the back of their hand. So they can use them to sneak into the inner sanctum where Vandar is holding up and kill him mm-hmm. once and for all. Job done. So they slip through the tunnels into the or through the secret tunnels under the palace into Vandar's inner sanctum. And they're greeted by the brides of the Emperor. Now, the the leader of them, I believe, is a guy called Longinus. Uh, by the way, for the record, Longinus is the name of the guy that uh, impaled Jesus with a spear on the cross. 
Just so you okay. know. Just a thing. Yeah. Anyway, Longinus, I believe the the guy who like spearheaded this whole thing, leads his dudes in, meet the uh, brides of the emperor, and he tries to explain to them like, look, we're literally the guys that stand in a room with the emperor all day and make yes. sure no one hurts him. I promise you, Van Dyer is lying to you. Like, I swear to God, he's lying to you. I can't make this any clearer. And they were just like, nope, we don't believe you. <laughs> so the leader of the custodians talks to the leader of the uh, Brides of the Emperor and is like, look, I can prove it to you. Come with me. So she goes with him. She leaves the rest of the Brides to protect the uh, to protect Vandyr, and the rest of the custodes stay to do their job and basically stand against the brides if they try to do anything nuts. They're not actually fighting, though. They're just waiting, just kind of with hands-on weapons, though, in case anyone does anything shady. In case only one of them yeah. comes back. <laughs> Whoever comes back, the other side's to try and murder their guys. <laughs> um, but the the leader of the brides and the leader of the custodes go into the tunnels. Now, there is no record of what actually occurred while they were in the tunnels. It is thought that she was taken to the throne room and allowed to meet the emperor. Mm-hmm. Upon which she realized her wrongdoing. She realized Van Dyer was a false idol. Mm-hmm. And when she returned, she explained to the brides and then personally assassinated Van Dyer. Van Dyer. Yeah. <laughs> Took his head personally and carried it out of the temple to show everyone. Oh, that's amazing. I know, right? What a lass. So, Van Dyer's finally dealt with. That was a long time of a lot of bad stuff. Really a dark time for the Imperium. Don't worry, it gets worse. But it take, like, in, oh. in, a, in like a couple of thousand years, it gets a lot worse. <laughs> uh, not directly after this, but like there's a couple of bits in the middle, then it gets even worse. <laughs> that, it always gets that's worse, That's what right? 40k is. It's just, how does it get work next? Roll the <laughs> dice. <laughs> I like to think they've got one of those, like, you know, the wheels that you spin on a game show. Whatever it stops on, you win. But all the prizes are someone important dying or something bad happening. (laughs) That's just every day. Spin the wheel. Ah, we raised the taxes today. That's lucky. It almost landed on, I don't know, the emperor dies again. (laughs) It's a whole thing. So, shortly after this, Sebastian Thor was tried as a heretic and a traitor. He was found not guilty, and then was instated as the new ecclesiarch. So he's in charge of the church now. Which is excellent. It's exactly what we want. Things got a little bit better, because Sebastian Thor is the man. Then, the ecclesiarchy was banned from having men-at-arms. They're not allowed to have soldiers anymore. Uh, which is great, because that went real bad last time. (laughs) Then the Brides of the Emperor were renamed as the Sisters of Battle, the warrior nuns we know and love. That's what they are. They came from this. Oh, God. And they they became the Ecclesiarchy's military arm, because they are not technically men at arms. Sebastian Thor genuinely used that level of semantics to have some form of military force. But to be fair, they are literally the brides of the emperor. They will do anything protect him, uh, to protect him. They are essentially like very, mo- like very mobile, very active versions of the custodians, but they're human instead of space marine Yeah. So you want that. 
you, they're like a field division for the spe- for the custodies. <laughs> we love that. They actually work together quite a bit, for the record. Interesting concept, but they do. They work together quite a bit, which is cool. We yeah. like that. We like that pairing. So, we now get on to the Age of Redemption, which Ooh. just to... Oh, for the record, the Age of Apostasy ended in M37. The Age of Redemption begins in M37 and ends in M38. So yeah. we're catching up. We're getting real close. We are close to the 40k, man. We are. We're getting there. Um, so the Age of Redemption, this is another really short one. There's there's stuff that goes on. There's some pretty important stuff that goes on. But again, if we go into it, in, like, it'll be severe detail or very little detail. So we're going to go for a quick overview here. During this period, the Imperial cult grew like never before, leading to many cru- like crusades and religious wars to regain what was squandered during the Age of Apostasy. So it was, again, they were trying to like get everything back under control, round everyone up again, get everyone back on the same page, and put right a lot of the damage done by Vandire. Yeah. Right? Good stuff happening. But... Because of the sheer amount of crusades and wars and stuff they were doing, it led to imperial troops being spread thinner and put into much longer campaigns. So it left a lot of worlds wildly inadequately defended. So it left a lot of the Imperium very open to attack. Yeah. Which is bad. (laughs) Yeah, that's not optimal. Not great, not great, not great. Um, And... I wasn't gonna do this, but I I was so I have a I have a list of the episodes we're gonna do, right? And the next one was going to involve this next age and then like a side story. But this is we've gotten over this a bit quicker than I thought we will. So I think because the next like this next one is quite quick, and then we can do this little side story as like an individual thing in the next episode. So yeah. we're gonna cover one more age in this one, because it's very easy to summarize, right? Yeah, yeah. The next age, so the Age of Redemption ends in M38, and then in M39, so you got a little bit of a chill period at the end there where nothing crazy was going on, right? Mm-hmm. In M39, we have what's called the Waning Stars, right? Now, the Waning actually lasts into M41. There's a bunch of really important stuff that happens in here. Uh, or, sorry, there's a bunch of really important stuff that, that happens kind of around this, but as an overall concept of it, the waning is a point of, like, redemption crusades, or, well, after all the redemption crusades occurred and everything like that, the Imperium is totally exhausted, or heavily exhausted with our military. Like I said, everything was left basically badly protected. And a massive amount of orc uprisings start to occur, so a lot of systems fall to orc invasion, some to chaos insurgents, and some just to rebellion. Some people just rise up and are like, sack this. Yeah. And some systems were turned over to Space Marine chapters to govern rather than having, like, imperial governance. They would have Space Marine chapters in charge of them rather than just in charge of, like, their own homeworlds and their systems. Just because they needed the protection. Like, Things were going horribly wrong if they go, right, uh, Blood Angels, we know you're in charge of Baal and that whole system, but, like, you got room for one more. And obviously the Blood Angels a lot of the time were like, well, of course we'll protect you. We're good guys, even if we're kind of vampires. Stuff mm-hmm. like that. A lot of the chapters were like, of course, we'll help. And then that meant that that, uh, that 
planet was now under space marine protection rather than just under militarum protection, which gave them an actual fighting chance of not being murdered by orcs or chaos. Yeah. So the Imperium now has a lot of their enemies taking over their stuff in this period. And it again leaves the Imperium with like pockets out of their usual like area of control that are now no longer under their control, but from various sources. So they can now be attacked from within Imperial space, but from like orcs in one place, and then the next day you've got chaos nut jobs turn up from the other side and stuff like that. So it leaves a lot of ground for a lot of places to be under a lot more danger. Now, the next thing we need to talk, or the next thing we're going to talk about is storyline-wise, we're going to do a side story in the next episode, which I'm kind of excited for. It's, it's a good one. So it's actually about the Black Legion, which I like to title as the 21st Legion, but it's not. <laughs> it's actually purely about the Chaos Legions, right? So yeah. while all this has been going on, all the stuff we talked in this episode and, you know, the forging, uh, sorry, and the Age of Rebirth with the War of the Beast and all that, mm-hmm. um, while that's been going on, obviously all the traitors were pushed back to the Eye of Terror. Uh, ter- Eye of Terror. I was going to say Eye of Terror there. That was real. Um, they're all pushed back to Eye of Terror, which encompasses a huge amount of warp space and a huge number of planets. So there's a lot going on in there. A lot of the legions just start, like the, the traitor legions, just start fighting amongst themselves like, the Emperor's children seem to take it upon themselves to try and wipe out anything that's left of the uh, Sons of Horus. Just because they're yeah. like, you guys led us into this. You're the ones that caused all this. They're not. Everyone agreed to this nonsense. They just were bad at it. <laughs> but there, like, there's a lot of like civil war, essentially, goes on, even amongst the traitors within the Eye of Terror. But out of that comes the 13th Black Legion. No, the Black Legion, not 13th Legion. Out of that comes the Black Legion, which is uh, a legion comprised of a lot of the traitor legions, like sections of them that have just grouped together to make up a new legion that believes more so in like their own ends rather than in chaos's ends, if you know what I mean. So like, I'm not too sure. So like the Thousand Sons, Magnus's dudes, are sworn mm-hmm. to Zinch, right? They follow what Zinch wants. They work to Zinch's ends. Stuff like mm-hmm. that. A lot of the legions are actually for one chaos god, and they work for their benefit. The Black yeah. Legion is more like, we're working for our benefit, sack the chaos gods. But they are chaos space marines. They are traitors. They're just like, ah. all the ones from like all the other legions that are aligned with particular people were like... Yeah or all the ones, all the space marines within those legions that didn't agree with that got together and basically built a legion based on brotherhood and fraternity rather than, like, following the leader. They were like, no, we're working together. This is for us. We're doing this for us. We are a brotherhood. We are us. We're doing this like that. Um, So we will be talking about that in the next episode, which is, you know, it goes on during all this stuff. Yeah, yeah, because we want you to know how those guys come together, and you know their leaders, and who's in, and you know what they're what they're actually all about, you know. Yeah. Um, and then we get on to the the Black Crusades. Now that's going to be another two parter. Episode thirteen and fourteen are going to be another two parter. 
uh, which cover the time of ending, the Great Rift, and the beginning of the Age of the Dark Imperium. Ooh. Very cool. But <laughs> before we do the 13th Black Crusade, I'd like you to know, you know a little bit about the bad guys in that situation. Because the time of ending is the bad guys turning up, and it is the Black Legion. But we want you to know what that means for everyone. Yeah. Yeah. The Black Crusades are just them venturing out and doing stuff in real space and stuff like that. You know, they just pick a goal and go do it. <laughs> and no one really knows why. But we're going to... We'll, we'll, we'll get into that a bit in the next episode. To be fair, actually, yeah. I think in the next one we'll cover the Black Legion and a few of their Crusades just to give you an idea what they were all about. Yeah. And then the time of ending is the 13th Black Crusade is the important one. Yeah. But that's going to be very fun. Looking forward to it, man. Yeah, and we're actually, for the record, since in this episode we covered the time, uh, the waning, we're actually up to M41. We're, we're literally past the 40k mark now. Hey, let's go. Yeah, Fireworks. we finally boom, boom, did boom, boom, it. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a long one. It took us 11 episodes to get here. That's good, it's good. It is. It's good stuff. But, yeah. Man, it's been a long journey. But it's been a great one. Has it? Especially like we've been recording like once a week uh, for the last couple of months. Whoa, it's actually been some time it, now. It's been like four months we've been doing this now, <laughs> which is crazy. Yo. Oh, for the record, I want to take the chance because we very rarely mention this, right? You can find us on Twitter at iterators OTI. If you search iterators of the Imperium, you will find us. You can find us on Instagram at iterators of the Imperium. As I said that up yesterday, I forgot to tell you. Yeah. <laughs> it's fine it's fine and on youtube as well we're Iterators really behind on that mess. we need to catch i up know up. but we have it we have it it exists there are four episodes i believe we're quite behind but uh, yeah don't stop tuning into the spotify podcast as well guys of course uh, also on that topic of spotify we are actually now live on five platforms so we are live on anchor where you can listen to us you can listen to us on spotify apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, and amazon music so we've uh, added a few sources there. If any of them are more to your liking or more comfortable for you. I personally like Spotify for my podcasts. But I know a lot of people are, you know, on the Amazon side of things. Because Amazon Music's pretty good. It is pretty good. Yeah. Like, Audible's where I go for my audiobooks for all this 40k nonsense. So I do get it. Yeah. yeah. So no, no excuse, anybody. No, no excuse. Y'all have to get involved now. Tell your friends. <laughs> uh, also... We're only on episode 11, but when we get to season 2, we are going to have more new stuff coming out. We are planning on launching a Discord server. We are planning on launching a Patreon. Also, we are going to be doing new styles of episodes, little mini ones where we play um, game shows that me and my partner are designing for Mez, where we make him the contestant on a game show and quiz him on what he's learned about 40k. So they're going to be oh, little God. mini episodes that go up amongst all the others. So there'll be some little like midweek content coming out for you at some point. We will keep yeah. you guys posted. In which you guys are actually going to see how we we look and not just from the from the art. Oh yeah, there's going to be good visuals picture. for this. Oh God. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get it. Also, we do have more artwork getting made. I've been commissioning emotes for the Discord server. So when you guys get on there, you're going to see my wonderful friend Eli's great artwork of a bunch of different major characters. So at the moment, we have three emotes currently made. And just to give you guys an idea, we actually, I'm going to give you a little teaser here. 
we have one of them, which is an adorable version of a orc mad dog, or uh, the pain boys, as they're better known, <laughs> which I just love. I'll be honest with you, man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm hoping to, uh, I'm hoping to get a bunch more of them made. I'm hoping to get quite a lot of them, you know. Apply everyone's tastes. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's all the stuff we need to shell for now till we get merch so we can start shilling that. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> so yeah. Thank you guys for listening to Iteris of the Empyrean Podcast. Uh it's been a pleasure and we will see you in the next one. Take care and peace. Bye. <laughs>